Let's pray for Chris, because Chris has spoken a handful of times, but I think we want God to bless him this morning and bless us through what he has to say for us this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for Chris. And uh, we want to ask that you would fill him with your spirit, that he would know that as he speaks this morning, um, Lord, you are touching hearts and speaking into our lives and all that you want to do. So thank you for him. Thank you for the gift he is to us. And we pray you bless him this morning and bless us. Amen. 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 Well, hello. Good morning. Morning, everyone. Morning. For those who don't know me, yes, my name's Chris. I'll not do my full name, but yeah, Chris is... Chris. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I've got time. No, we haven't. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's great to be here, and it's great to um, yeah, share God's word. So um, bear with me with my voice. I don't know what's happened, but yeah, I'll uh, get through it. Um, so yeah, today I'm going to carry on our sermon series called "Come the Revolution," and um, we've going we've been going through this for qu- quite some time now. I'm looking at the life of Jesus um, according to Matthew, and um, I'm going to be following on from Raj's. Um, message last week, Raj gave us a, uh, a, our own personal episode of Who Done It, you know, revealing all the different parties that had to play in, in, in kind of Jesus's betrayal and arrest. And so this week, um, I'm going to continue the story, um, because what happens is Jesus gets arrested, you know, Jesus gets betrayed, gets arrested, and then there's a, there's, a, there's a verdict to be made, there's a decision to be made, really, with Jesus. Um, and today I'm going to be going through that. I'm carrying on from Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 to 26. So if you do have your Bibles, if you turn to Matthew 27, and we'll read from verse 1 to 26. Early in that morning, all the chief priests and elders of the people made their plan how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What's that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. And so Judas threw the money onto the temple and left. Then he went and hung himself. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, it's against the law to put this into the treasury since it's blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's, buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. This, this way it has been called the field, of, the field of blood to the day. And that was spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, are you king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave gave no answer Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not a single charge to the great great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At the time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Barabbas. 
So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who's called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that he had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the, on the judge's seat, his wife sent him a message. Don't have anything to do with the innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders pers um, persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of these two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with this Jesus who's called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It's your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Amen. That's God's word. Yeah, Lord, I just thank you this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word speaks. I thank you that we can encounter you through your word. So, Lord Jesus, this morning I pray for um, yeah, ears to listen. I pray for hearts to, 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 to know um, you and to, 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 yeah, just to hear what you have to say to us, Lord Jesus, today. Amen. So, Matthew 27. Um, so, in our passage this morning... Um, if you imagine last week, it was kind of the night before. So Judas leads a crowd over to Gethsemane where Jesus was and um, they arrest him. Um, and so kind of through the night, he, he gets taken to, to, to Caiaphas first and then he gets brought to Pilate. Um, and so there was a period overnight where these so-called chief priests and elders didn't know what to do with Jesus. And so they, they, they made a plan as we start with our story this morning, they made a plan overnight, right, we'll take him to Pilate, and Pilate, will have Pilate, we'll put pressure on Pilate to do something with him. And so today, I'm just going to carry on from kind of, kind of these two, the, the, these different characters that we see in this story. So one, we have Pilate, and we have Judas, and then we have Jesus. And in, in our story today, we see how these different parties kind of encountered something of a revelation of sin or kind of wrongdoing or wrong decision making. And so first we have the character of Judas. Um, what do we know about Judas? We know that Judas was one of Jesus' chosen disciples, wasn't he? He was, he was part of the twelve. Jesus chose them and said, turn away from your old life and follow me. Read that in Mark 13. The Bible kind of paints Judas as someone who was kind of really after his own personal gain. He had a character of kind of just wanting his own, you know, he was in it for his own benefit. You know, in John's gospel, an easy account of Jesus' life, he, he, he kind of labels Judas as a thief. You know, so it's, 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 there's a, there was a, 
um, an encounter with, with, with a lady who had poured expensive perfume at Jesus' feet. Um, and um, Judas pipes up and says, oh, why has she done that? Why don't she sell it and take the money and we can give it to the poor? And John quickly says, well, no, he's not interested in the poor. He's actually interested in taking some of the money for himself. And that's, and that's what we kind of know from the Gospels about Judas. But also one of the more obvious things we know about Judas is that he betrayed Jesus, didn't he? He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You know, and then he says in our story this morning, Judas was seized with remorse. If you read the King James Version, he says something like he repented himself when he found out that Jesus was condemned. And so that's Judas. And then we have the character of Pontius Pilate, who was the Roman governor at the time. Um, we know he was quite a powerful man to be the Roman governor, quite powerful. Clearly had influence. And so the chief priests and the elders wanted to go to him because they knew he was the guy who was able to make any kind of overseen decision on Jesus. Now we read in our story that Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. He knew the right thing to do. He gets a message from his wife. I don't know if any of you guys have ever got a message from your wife. It's serious, isn't it, when you do? Um, he gets a message from his wife saying, don't do anything with that guy. Because I've had a bad dream. He's innocent. But you see, Pilate, being the Roman governor, had a duty to carry out, didn't he? He had to serve the people. He had a reputation to uphold. And so... In these two characters, we have Judas and we have Pilate. There's something of that guilt of what do I do? And so through this passage, we see these two guys carrying the weight of that guilt on their shoulders. We read in Romans chapter 7 verse 21 when Paul writes, describing a man caught in two minds. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law in my, in my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. You see, what Paul talks about there is about this evil that's hanging around, lurking around right there stopping us from delighting in God. Now, it's quite common for most people when um, they become Christian or when they think about the Christianity, they think about it as a, an easier, happier life. It's common to assume that if someone is right with God, and by that I mean if they repent, and if they turn away from their selfish ways, it's quite common to think that, well, everything will be great. Well, you see, that's true, isn't it? The most part of that is true. If we, by faith, put our trust in Jesus, life does get better spiritually. But you see, what we mustn't forget is this evil, the devil, wants to keep pulling us away from our faith in Jesus. The devil won't go down without a fight. 
See, when we become Christians and we allow Jesus to be kings of our lives, we allow Jesus to be ruler of our lives, there will be enemies of God who will want to tear us away from Jesus and who will want to also rule over our lives. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. And so we move on. <coughs> Pardon me. Early in the chapter, we read about Jesus when he comes down from um, Gethsemane. He comes down after he'd been praying, and he sees Peter and a few others asleep. And he says to them, uh, what does it say? And he says to them, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you see, we have two people in this story. We have Judas and we have Pilate, who as a result of this Matthew 26 verse here, weak flesh. You see them carrying a real weight of guilt. And that really brings me to a question which I want to look at this morning, which is, what do we do with our guilt? What do we do with our guilt? This, this guilt of sin, this guilt of, I'm not doing what I know I should be doing. I'm not living how I know I should be living. What do we do with our guilt? And so we look at Judas in this story. What did Judas do? When we read this story, he said, when Judas saw that Jesus was condemned, he was filled with remorse. And like I said earlier, if you read the King James Version, it said he repented himself. Or did he? Did he repent himself? You see, Judas, in this situation, went straight to try and return the money, tried to get rid of the evidence. And so let me just point something out here when it says Judas was filled with remorse or Judas repented himself. See, sometimes we can be sorry for actions without actually being sorry or actually being repentant. You know, we can be like, well, I'm sorry it didn't work out. You know, I'm sorry that people got hurt. I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'll probably do it again, but I'm sorry. You know, we can regret something or what we've done without having any intentions of changing or stopping doing what we did. And that was the situation Judas was in. And so ask yourself today, is that how you sometimes deal with that guilt? Are you a half-hearted repenter maybe? See, in the Bible, it calls us to true repentance. Bible calls us to true repentance. Repentance that fills us with hope. Yeah, when we really turn away from our sin, it should fill us with hope, make us hopeful. It says in 2 Corinthians 7:10, it says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Essentially, what that's saying is true repentance equals life. Hence, we know 
that here Judas wasn't truly repentant because we see the actions that follow. It was an action of someone with no hope. He tried to put it right by himself. He tried to return the money, get rid of the evidence like it never happened. And you see, sin can do that to us sometimes, can't it? Quick, let's bury the evidence. Maybe that'll undo it. You know, you have, do you ever get something or do something in, in, a, in, in such an ungodly way? And it just leaves you feeling quite disappointed or a bit guilty to the point where you just want to get rid of it. That's what sin can do to us sometimes. I remember myself personally, I think quite a number of years back, I remember being in this exact situation because of sin and temptation, feeling really guilty, struggling to pray, to even seek God because of the guilt I felt. I remember forgetting that my hope, my strength was in Christ and almost walking away from the church just because I couldn't bear to show my face that weight of guilt. I remember sleeping a lot. That's what I do. I sleep a lot and just wake up and hope it's all gone away. I remember doing that. And But you see, by the grace of God, I'm here today. You know, thank you, Jesus. So here's what we're facing. We will go through tough times. There will be temptations, like in the case of Judas. Deception from the devil. There's a battle in our hearts to do the right thing or the wrong thing, like we see in Pontius Pilate's case. There's also Matthew 26, 41. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so you might ask, well, where do we go from here in, in, in all of this? In, all, in and amongst all the toughness, the temptations, the wrongdoings of life, where do we go from here? Well, you see, there's one person in this story which I want to point out who, who, who dealt with guilt, with shame, with pressure in a completely revolutionary way. And that's the person of Jesus. See, when we read about Jesus, we see that Jesus knew what had to be done. Through the difficulty, we read earlier in Matthew where he, he goes up to the mountain and he prays in anguish to his father, please take this cup away from me. But yet, see, Jesus trusted in God. Let your will be done. He didn't argue his case when he was put in front of Pilate. All the accusations put in front of him and, and, and Pilate asked, what is your response? And Jesus uttered nothing, not even an argument. He took the guilt for the sake of you and for the sake of me. You see, for Jesus, when the going got tough, he remained firm in his heavenly father. And that's the amazing good news of the gospel, that Jesus takes all the blame. He takes all the guilt. He takes all the shame. He takes the betrayal. And he humbles himself to death. And you see, because of that, we can be hopeful, can't we? Yeah? We can have hope 
Not like in Judas's case. We can have real hope. Because of that, in Christ, we are hopeful. It reads in Romans 8.28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. You see, even in the midst of our spiritual battles, God is working for our good, isn't he? Yeah? And because of that, also, we can know that in Christ, we're empowered. We're empowered. When we face tough decisions, we can trust that God's in control. 1 John chapter 4, verse, what, verse 4. For he... Is, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Yeah? We can also know that in Christ we're equipped. We're equipped. God has not just left us out there to fend for ourselves. We prayed, prayed about this. We prayed into this at the prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago. About putting on the armor of God. Yeah? Ephesians 6.11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. Yeah? In Christ, we're equipped. You can also know that in Christ, we are victorious. Yes, we're victorious. He secured my victory and your victory over the enemy. Yeah, Colossians, I really love this verse actually. Colossians 2.15, it says, And having disarmed the power and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Amen? Amen. Turn to someone next to you and say, In Christ, I am victorious. Brilliant. Yeah. It's great to just declare God's victory because actually that reminds us brings us back to the cross, brings us back to what Jesus has done for us. And so just to end, I just want to encourage you guys this morning to remember the cross. What do you do with your guilt? Do you know the cross? Do you know that Jesus stood the trial for you so that you can be not guilty See, if you put your trust in Jesus this morning, you can have that hope. You can have peace. You can have joy. And we read about Judas in this scripture. We read how Judas tries to deal with his guilt all by himself. Tries to get rid of the evidence. And ultimately, that led to a hopeless ending for Judas. And we read about Pilate. And how he was convicted of the right things to do. And he faced a tough decision. And ultimately, he washed his hands clean of it. See, that lack of responsibility. And that was how he dealt with his guilt. It's not my business. He washed his hands clean of it. And then we read about Jesus. And we see how Jesus took the guilt of another man. Another man named here called Barabbas. Yeah, the well-known convicted prisoner. And Jesus stood right there and took Barabbas' guilt. And Barabbas was ultimately set free from prison. 
See, Jesus can take your place this morning. Jesus can set you free from your guilt this morning, from the guilt of sin, from the chains of sin and temptation. Whether that's for the first time, if you're not a Christian here this morning, or whether that's if you're already a Christian and that's to continue living in that freedom, Jesus can set you free from that. He can take your place. And so the question is, will you let him? Will you bring your guilt to the cross? If I can ask the band to please come up. Um, we're going to sing a song which says this. It says, are you hurt? Now you're broken within. Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is calling it says, oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so if that's you this morning, hurt, broken, overwhelmed, feeling the weight of guilt, the weight of sin, that's you this morning I just want to encourage you to bring it to the cross come to Jesus who can set you free from all of that yeah so Heavenly Father I just pray this morning Lord I pray by the power of your spirit you will come and you come and be with us Lord I thank you for what you did on the cross Lord I thank you for the hope that that brings us. Lord Jesus, this, Lord Jesus, this morning, I just invite your spirit to come and to just help lift that weight off our shoulders, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that we can come to you and lay it all down at your feet, Lord Jesus. And Lord, as we respond in worship, I pray that your spirit will move through this room and touch each and every one of each and every one in this room who's feeling that burden, that heavy weight of sin. Spirit of God, come and take that away, Lord. We honor you, Lord Jesus, and we submit our hearts and our lives to you to rule and reign over our life, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen.